Hey everyone, welcome to We Understood That Reference. Today's episode will be recapping some of the recent news coming out of Comic-Con at home and talking a bit about our experience with this first ever virtual Comic-Con. I'm Claiborne. And I'm Nikhil. So yeah, Comic-Con at home. What do you think? Uh, definitely a, a different experience than the real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing can, can compare to being uh, in Hall H or, you know, in that venue. But I think there were a lot of missed opportunities. And I think that the lack of support from a lot of the studios didn't help. So there really wasn't much. Um, uh, there was a lot of updates, but not not as much as in a typical year. Yeah, I was surprised by, um, you know, just it, it wasn't as star studded as the real event uh, would be. And that seems like something that there's there's no reason for that. Obviously, you know, everyone's at home and it's virtual and you're going to miss out on the live mm-hmm. aspect. But, um, you know, there's no reason you can't still have all of these stars contributing uh, and doing something. And then really there wasn't a lot of big names uh, at, at any of these events, really. Just, you know, maybe a, a handful of kind of the regular ones, the people that you would expect. Um, but, you know, Comic-Con, actual Comic-Con draws so many celebrities. That's true. I'm starting to think that like brands are starting to l- are looking at uh, like quarantine the wrong way. Instead of thinking if now is a time to like cancel stuff and not communicate for, for for fear of it being like inappropriate, I think now is actually a great time to communicate because you have a captive audience. And I think a lot of people are a starved for content and b you know um, you know they have time on their hands. Especially something like this, like Comic Con, it's um, you know it's the, it's perfect for creating content. Uh, people watch the live panels from Comic Con, um, you know, even years after the fact. People still go and and watch their best moments from from previous Comic Cons that people had recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's these like Q and As that they have with um, with with uh, people on the panel with actors and and, and writers. Um, so, you know, that's all still very popular today. And they did have that. They had several of those, but um, it just it didn't seem like um, on the same level as what the um, the live show uh, had in the past. Yeah, that's true. There's nothing like uh, Edward Garfield asking a question and then taking off his mask, uh, you know, dressed as Spider-Man in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. It is a disappointment. You don't get those great live moments. But I think, you know, there certainly would have been ways to, to work around that and to do some pretty cool stuff, especially given that um, a lot of this, I guess all of it really was um, pre-recorded. Yeah. Uh, which means, you know, you could have done some highly produced uh, things as well That's a really uh, good point. for it. And really, and nothing was really highly produced that I saw. I mean, obviously they did drop some trailers and some things like that, and they did have some panels. I saw a couple um, comic-related panels from DC, for instance, and I think they did a pretty good job of um, editing editing in actual images from from comics and things when they as they <laughs> were discussing it, uh, screenshots from from movies, TV shows, that sort of thing. But um, but that's very basic, you know. Like they could have spent some time and and really uh, put some production effort into into something and then, you know, shown, shown something really cool. But basically everyone was just at home on Zoom. Yeah, that's true. And then when those videos aren't live, it kind of takes away from the event feel of it. Yeah. You, know, you can kind of fast forward through the boring parts and it's, it's not the same. Yeah, especially, you know, if it is going to be pre-recorded, um, you know, I, I think people would be more forgiving of the Zoom talking head format if it was happening live, uh, you know, right. and they could watch it and then also then there could be fan engagement i was one i was kind of disappointed that on on youtube at least they had um comments disabled as well so you know you couldn't even see what the community was talking about you'd have to go to go to twitter to to follow the conversation uh-huh. um i don't know if maybe it was handled better elsewhere because that was the other thing is we i wasn't really sure exactly where the um you know best 
best place to watch all this was. I did see that like IGN was um, doing something with it as well. Uh, but I watched them all just pretty much on YouTube. And, you know, if you did a live stream on YouTube, you'd have the, the chat there that you could follow along. They could have, um, you know, created their own kind of uh, virtual um, lounge areas or something where people could come in and, and chat and do a live Q&A and that sort of thing. Uh, so I, I think they definitely missed out on a lot of opportunities there. Yeah, that's true. It's a big like missed opportunity. Because the other thing is that um, there's a lot more people who who want to engage with that kind of content uh, besides the people who will pay the money to go to San Diego for the event. So now is kind of a great opportunity to kind of test a lot of different, you know, fan engagement um, like methods and see what works, what didn't work. Whereas, um, you know, in kind of a, a very forgiving environment in order to like get more people involved beyond the people who actually attend. And not to be, I guess, too much of a downer about it. Um, what, what were some of the, the great moments or the, the good moments of the of the whole thing? <laughs> yeah, um, I think there were some pretty cool announcements. Um, and uh, I think the the biggest may have been the uh, uh, the reveal of, of Superman's black suit for the uh, Justice League, mm-hmm. uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think that was kind of the big, um, one of the big reveals. Yeah, so the, the Justice League um, stuff was really the, the the most groundbreaking news you think coming out of comic-con yeah i think so and i think we're about to get a lot more because i've heard that at uh, dc fandom we're gonna get um a reveal on whether uh zack snyder's justice league is going to be a movie or a a mini series they're gonna mm-hmm. tell us that for sure we're gonna get a trailer and um i've heard that there's a rumor that justice uh sorry zack snyder's justice league is not the official title and so oh, yeah. if there's a new title, it will be revealed at uh, DC Fandom. Maybe it'll be um, Justice League colon Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah. They're going to have to redo the poster then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I also heard that there's a rumor that there's going to be a black and white version of of Justice League. So oh, yeah. I don't know what kind of artistic direction uh, this, this uh, production is going in, but that's the rumor going around. Yeah, so it sounds like we'll get a lot more information at the at the DC event mm-hmm. coming up. Yeah, true. Yeah, so did you have any particular favorite panels during uh, this one? Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to say. Like, I just um, how how about you? Did you have any? Um, yeah, I mean there there's some some good ones that I tuned into. That I guess one great thing about it being kind of pre-recorded, I guess, is that all of this is up on YouTube, so I can catch up on the ones I missed. And you know, obviously, I didn't I didn't watch every single panel. Uh, and I, I probably won't watch all of them because there, you know, there are some that I, I wasn't that interested in. Mm-hmm. But there were some that I, you know, wanted to watch and didn't get around to. Um, particularly, there was one about uh, Aztec representation in media, and I thought okay. that that seemed pretty interesting because uh, that's always just been a fascination of mine. Of you know, the Native Americans who were here in the old in the New World, uh, you know, were largely eradicated by uh, disease and, and, and war, and so. It's it's interesting to me to think of we we know very little about those civilizations just in general, like we know that Mayans and the Aztecs were here and had very vast empires, um, but mostly we know that from you know the the accounts of the Spanish as they basically eradicated them and so a lot of their own kind of surviving history and the things uh, about them we don't really know, uh, so so that's something that's just always been kind of interesting to me because it's like this this these these entire lost civilizations. 
And obviously, you know, they've been depicted in, in media in various ways, probably some more accurate than not. But a lot of it is just, you know, imagination because we just we just don't know. Uh, we don't we don't have that information. And that concept mm -hmm. of um, lost civilizations is just very intriguing. Um, there's also a panel for the boys. And I did catch that one. Uh, mm -hmm. I know you haven't seen it. I think I mentioned it a few times before here. Um, oh, yeah. Amazon. It's a really great show. You, you, you got to watch it sometime. But um, they had the cast uh, on there talking about the boys uh, and season two that's uh, going to be coming out soon and that they were also renewed already for season three as well. So um, this TV show is, is in for the long haul, it seems like. Um, and it's, it's really great. Uh, they did talk a bit about uh, specifically for season two, the kind of direction that they're going in. It reminded me of more like Watchmen, and I know you didn't watch Watchmen mm -hmm. on HBO, but um, it really focused a lot on uh, the history of race in America, and which is you know a very uh, uh, timely subject right now with the the Black Lives Matter protests going on. Uh, and so Watchmen came out and had uh, it was a great show on its own, uh, but it had a lot of that uh, you know a, a lot of that racial element to it and the history of it spanned you know several decades in terms of the uh the content of the show so it really got into you know going back to i don't know the 60s or 50s even mm -hmm. uh, so that was that was really good and the boys talked about for season two that they're going to be kind of digging into some of that as well um some of those race racist issues because i know in the past i mentioned that the boys was more kind of focused on uh issues of kind of capitalism and, and corporate america and they didn't really touch too much in terms of uh, any kind of like racial inequality and, and, and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like they might get into a little more of uh, the social issues uh, for season two, which could be interesting. Uh, and they're already renewed for season three. Oh, so what is The Boys about? And uh, is it a period piece or is it set? Uh, what time period is well, it set it's, in? Yeah, it's, it's modern. It's it's a modern one. It's um, it's a superhero movie that's it's 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 very... Um, What's what would be the word like kind of wry I guess and cutting kind of satire on modern society. Um, it's basically like the premise, the main premise I guess is that there's a uh, a corporation which owns the superheroes. It's like the Justice League basically, but it's a corporation. So it's imagine if like Amazon owned and sponsored Justice League and all <laughs> these superheroes on Justice in the Justice League. Uh, in this case, I, I think. They're called like the seven or there's seven of them. I forget what their names are, but there's like seven and they are the, the team, the big team. And I think there are other minor superheroes here and there or whatever, but the, the big franchise one, the big Justice League that's backed by like basically a major corporation is this this one. And it's it's sort of kind of balancing the idea of superheroes as, as, as an owned product, which is very much, you know, like Disney, how they do merchandising and everything. But there are also real superheroes. But whenever there's that... Uh, profit incentive to it. It, it they're they're more than just crime fighters you know they're like they're doing it for their brand and they they need to look good fighting crime and they need to sell merchandise ultimately uh and then of course you know the corporation itself too when they have people with superpowers uh it gives them some undue influence in terms of uh government and that kind of thing so uh it's 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 really good it's it's pretty gritty uh pretty violent uh but but I, I I like it. It's really good commentary on on modern society. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I'll have to check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, definitely. The Boys and and Watchmen as well. Uh, those mm -hmm. are both worth both watch both worth watching. Um, the other panel that I thought was pretty cool, and it was funny because we had mentioned this on a podcast. Um, 
there was a, a panel that was just all about Charlize Theron. Oh, and really? she, it was basically just her being interviewed about her uh-huh. career in, um, in film. Is, I, I think it was even titled something like uh, something badass. It was just about her basically being a badass uh, in, in action films. And which was interesting because uh, I think she made some interesting points as a as a as a female lead. Her she talked about how hard it was uh, that she did these action films, and that the first one she did, uh, or maybe one of the first ones, was that Aeon Flux, which I had mentioned in a previous podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in that one I accidentally uh, said Scarlett Johansson though instead of uh, Charlize Theron. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this was that movie that like it was a complete flop. Nobody had seen it, and she admitted to that. She said, you know, that she made this movie. It was an action film starring with a female lead, and uh, you know, and, and it didn't do well, and it failed. And so she just thought like that was that was it. That was her chance. She'd never get a chance again. That you know, people assume that you know it's not going to work out because people don't want a female action hero. But she kept at it, and then of course you know went on to do um, Mad Max Fury Road. And uh, the latest one that she has on Netflix, The Old Guard. Uh, so you know she's kind of pursued these roles, these roles of uh, you know not your stereotypical leading female roles. It's um, you know more action-packed roles. And mm-hmm. uh, now in this time period, I think she says that uh, you know it's it's a lot easier. It's gotten easier. Um, but she's sort of lived through that that spectrum of it. You know, starting out when. Like we said in the Black Widow episode too, that like at that time, you know, people didn't think uh, a, f- a female could could lead uh, a superhero franchise, and then of course um, maybe at that time it, it couldn't. You know, the sexism was just there that people people didn't think it was possible, and and therefore you know they didn't go watch these movies when there were when when there were movies like Aeon Flux. Uh, but slowly over time, people start to see, yeah, they're they're pretty cool, and you know they're they're good at. Uh, this action stuff as well so uh and now of course it's 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 like a no-brainer you do a captain marvel or something and other than maybe a a small group of uh vocal idiots probably who you know just don't (laughs) like seeing women in in a powerful position uh they might speak out but for the most part nobody cares like everyone enjoys it they go and they have have a good time and it's a good movie right oh absolutely yeah so that was a good that was a good panel and i watched i watched um you know, quite a bit of that one. And I, I think what was interesting to me too that she had mentioned was how different fighting is for women and that that was a, an annoyance for her, uh, frustration, uh, that, you know, she'd get these uh, stunt choreographers and they're all used to working with men, male action leads, because, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's the industry. So all the experience is uh, from men uh, fighting with men and so the the dynamics are different just because of the way the you know bodies are built differently and the strengths are different. And she said something like she had some line about how you know if she punches somebody in the face, uh, you know her 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 hand she would break her hand basically, um, you know because she does she's not built like that to 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 do that. Which is not to say that you know there aren't women that that are, uh, but these kind of women like a Charlize Theron in a different uh, body type, it doesn't make sense to give them uh, the stunts that you would give. Uh, you know, a uh, 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 John Cena or something, you know, mm-hmm. and so for the old guard, and I think you know some of the more modern stuff that she's done, she has been able to uh, you know get stunt coordinators that are that are th- that think more practically about about that and how how a woman would go about fighting, and so that was an interesting thing because like especially as a man, like it's not something I you know you think of, but 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 you it makes sense, you know, you would want to 
write not only like the dialogue and the the character would be different, but even the fight style would be different. Oh yeah, yeah. I never thought about that, but I guess you're right. It's it's kind of a whole new ball game. Yeah. Um, and I guess as as uh, these things kind of become more prevalent, um, it'll start becoming the norm, and and it'll stop being you know kind of um, uh, unusual. Yeah. So that was an interesting um, conversation, and I like the format of um, you know it was just it was just her. It was about her, and it was uh, she was being interviewed. Uh, and another one that I saw was um, Kevin Smith um, from the. Yeah, well, I, I, Kevin Smith films. I don't know what you call them. Uh, a view askew, <laughs> I think he calls it, right? Uh, oh, yeah. A view averse or something. Yeah, Mall Rats and uh, Clerks and all of those. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> and I, I think he probably, you know, he's he's probably a Comic Con staple. And I bet he, you know, there's always a, a panel that's just all about Kevin Smith. And this one was interesting because he wasn't even being interviewed. It was just straight up him talking to the camera, just saying whatever the hell he wanted to say, really. Um, but it was but it was good it was entertaining um it was informative it was it was it was fun he has a lot of stuff like i have i'm not a huge kevin smith fan i like his stuff but i don't follow him closely but he has a lot going on he does a lot of podcasts he said he and his daughter also have a a podcast that they do together about uh, veganism and uh you know he had the the jay and silent bob reboot uh a while back that that he was talking about so and he had some like merchandise uh from it as well uh, but I think what's interesting about him is he's he's just a big fan uh, himself. So like you know, it's fun to just listen to how passionate he is about all of this stuff about filmmaking and everything. All right, yeah, that's really cool. That's a pretty cool platform for him to to have that opportunity to just uh, kind of reach his fans and kind of be himself. And I think he he was the type of person who would really like that. Uh, did you hear about the uh, Joss Whedon panel getting canceled? I just heard that it was canceled. I didn't hear more beyond uh, that. Yeah, I don't know uh, all the details, but it seems like a pretty juicy story. I uh, well, I know he got some some abuse allegations or something recently as well, right? Yeah, um, Rafe Fisher, the guy who pay- plays um, Cyborg, mm-hmm. uh, has been saying some uh, very very uh, not nice things about him or the way that Joss Whedon acted on set. Yeah, and um, Rafe Fisher just said today. Um, you know, Joss Whedon should sue me if I'm saying anything untrue. Yeah, so he's <laughs> so, daring him to call him out. Yeah, so it's getting so. Do you think that was related to to why it was canceled or something entirely different? Yeah, I think so. I feel like after uh, like the fan backlash of Age of Ultron, you know, um, Joss Whedon yeah. quit Twitter and he kind of went in a hole for a little while. He finally came out and then he made Justice League, and now everyone dislikes him again. So, yeah. so I guess uh, <laughs> um, our hopes for a, a Firefly reboot are are finally dashed. <laughs> I don't know. That's his. That's his baby, though, right? He came up with that. Yeah. That's his idea. And it was okay. I guess not really a huge hit, but people people today love it. And you know, it was canceled after the first season, but it's become uh, a sensation since. And you know, if Firefly could ever make a comeback, that would be like one of the biggest. Uh, events in television history probably but no oh, awesome. it just it looks increasingly more unlikely you know it's it's already almost impossible i'm sure even before you know joss whedon gets canceled <laughs> wait so so um would the original actors have to come back or is that not necessary 
Um, I don't know. We could do like a whole episode probably on exploring the mm-hmm. the ramifications of a Firefly reboot. Nathan Fillion was on uh, yeah. something okay. that I saw him on, not the Comic-Con thing, but something before fairly recently. And his pitch was basically doing a reboot of Firefly with a completely new cast, sort of like they did with, um, um, what is that, um, Battlestar Galactica. Um, so, you know, that was like a show back in the, I don't know, 60s, whatever, 70s, something like that. And then they remade it fairly recently, um, with a whole new cast. And so he, his, his suggestion was just do that. Just start over, take the same universe, fresh new cast, and then they could bring in the old cast just to play like cameos here and there. And so, yeah, I think, I think that could probably work. Me personally, I would say let's reboot it, but more of a, uh, kind of like a Star Wars, um, prequel uh, not prequel a sequel kind of reboot where it's it's still the same universe everything that happened Mm -hmm. in the original firefly still happened but like now it's 40 years later let's just you know dig into that universe with entirely new characters and then the old people who want to show up can still show up and you know have a role or have a cameo or whatever but it doesn't have to be about those characters even though i think for Mm -hmm. the fans part of you know wanting that reboot is really seeing that team back together but for me i like my what I liked more about it was just that world like the characters were amazing too but I'm sure you could have another group of amazing characters as well uh the world the world building was really what was interesting there yeah so if you think uh, so if Josh Whedon came back and you know did that do you think it would be like a George Lucas situation where um you know in the 20 years or so since this thing initially aired uh fans have kind of um taken this and made this their own and you know they have their own kind of idea of what's going to happen and if you know the original creator came back and and you know did what he wanted to do do you think fans would hate it or do you think fans would I, love it? I think people would like it i think i think george lucas and joss whedon are very different you know i think george lucas is not a writer he's not he's not that creative person and um joss whedon is uh, George Lucas is a lot more of the technical person. Like I think his own his big um, thing with Star Wars even was you know was based on the hero's journey, so it was all very kind of laid out for him. <laughs> and you know yes, it was big and it was imaginative, and he was, did some really interesting world building there. But in terms of story, you know, like the prequels were really flat, um, and I think he just he just doesn't have that kind of human element to the work that he does that I think is just inherent in Joss Whedon's role, uh, you know, because he can't, there's nothing you can watch of from Joss that uh, doesn't have so much humanity put into it, you know, like he's always coming out it mm-hmm. with like, these are real characters with real problems. And George Lucas sort of is the opposite where like, he's he's writing more for like the plot points, I guess, and like the technical achievements and things like that. And sort of the characters and the, mm-hmm. the, the humanity of it all kind of comes separate, which is why I think the, the prequels really fell flat was because, you know, Qui-Gon Jinn, who the hell is that? You know, like he, you could not write a character synopsis for Qui-Gon Jinn. As awesome as Liam Neeson is as an actor and how cool, you know, this this Jedi character could be, mm-hmm. ultimately, like he, he has no personality and there's nothing... <laughs> There's nothing to him, uh-huh. uh, and that's sort of the problem. Even with uh, you know Darth Maul, who is the coolest, I guess for some reason, uh, the coolest uh, Star Wars property these days. 
uh, you know, they seem to be wanting to stuff mm-hmm. him and everything, uh, <laughs> apparently moving forward. And they're yeah. going to probably make him the new, uh, the, the, the new emperor or something. <laughs> but, um, but, but beyond him just being a scary, a scary dude that, you know, kind of modeled after Satan, yeah, um, looks cool. there's nothing to him. And, that's I think a failing that Joss Whedon doesn't really have he sort of goes the entire opposite side of it where um, you know there's, there's not too much in terms of he doesn't he doesn't care so much about like the 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 special effects and all of that he really cares about that human the human element mm-hmm. like you could put Joss Whedon in a, a have him direct or write a, a, a play and you wouldn't need any props mm-hmm. or set design or anything and it would still be compelling it would be a compelling story just because he's yeah. writing these interesting characters. So then where do you think uh, James Cameron fits on that spectrum, on the spectrum of George Lucas to Joss Whedon? Where is James Cameron? <laughs> I think I think he's a lot closer to um, to George Lucas, certainly. You think so? Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, because Jack and Rose didn't have personalities either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because the thing is, they're making like a whole bunch of more uh, Avatar movies. Yeah. And I'm wondering who is still interested in that yeah well you know we may never find out now with uh, everything getting pushed back which uh-huh. i guess was some of the i don't know why people waited for comic-con to make these announcements i don't know if yeah. it's just coincidence or what but it seemed like comic-con coincided with um the a whole bunch of delay delayed announcements which True. seemed inevitable True. um but basically i guess the the news there is like no movies are coming out for a year well i guess all of 2020 movies are getting pushed to 2021 for the most part there's still yeah um there's still a lot on the release calendar um they're kind of looking at tenant and um to make the first move yeah and mulan yeah which but they they, they don't even at this point they're not even giving them dates they used to right. give them a date and then after a month goes by they'll say okay well we'll we'll reschedule for two months later mm-hmm, and then right. it gets closer and then they'll reschedule a couple weeks and now right. they're just saying, you know what? It's postponed. We'll tell you when we know. Because <laughs> the, the thing is, I think Warner Brothers is is contemplating whether to release Tenant overseas uh, mm. or in the markets that they can, and then you know when it's uh, possible yeah. to to. Um, profitably... And I think those markets would be pretty sizable, really. Like, I mean, looking at the world <laughs> map now, I guess the concern is you know September is coming around and fall, and so the Northern Hemisphere will be. Um, uh, experiencing a rise, I guess, again as uh, as temperatures drop, and, and I don't I don't know the science there, but I I've been told that there's some <laughs> sort of um, science behind why uh, viruses spread more in uh, colder weather than than oh. in the, the heat, or maybe it's the reverse where like the heat keeps them from spreading as much as uh, they normally would, <laughs> and so for whatever reason, people are expecting it to have like a second wave in fall. Of course, America we don't we don't care. We're like we're what do you mean second wave we're we're not even giving up on this first one yeah. so um there's it's just going to be going on forever in, in america but the rest of the world for the most part with a few exceptions like brazil and uh others but um most places seem like they're kind of got it under control and are at least mm-hmm. taking precautions so you right. know you could open up in in, in china japan uh, most mm-hmm. of europe probably yeah, most of europe and that's going to be a considerable size uh, chunk of the box office right there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it might mean that America uh, ends up pirating, pirating it, <laughs> or you know you make a deal and just uh, sell it to Disney Plus or Netflix or something mm-hmm. for the American market uh, to just to recoup some of the the, the loss there. Yeah, but um, yeah, it might be possible. Well, I guess most blockbusters make about 
um, 60 to 70 percent of their money overseas anyway. So like you could get 50 percent of your box office with the markets that are open um, or that will be open next month. Um, so I think that's kind of the calculation that Warner Brothers is making. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, we're going to wait. And if the second wave hits, then then mm-hmm. it might be too risky, even in these places where it's a bit safer. Yeah. Um, so so who knows what will happen? Uh, and I think it's kind of hard. I mean, you, you need the marketing campaign for the yeah. most part behind it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a set date, you can't really do that. So, you know, it's not like you can just decide, hey, you know what? Let's uh, drop Mulan this Friday. Right. Because then, you know, nobody's going to realize that it's out. <laughs> so um, uh-huh. you kind of have to have a, a date and then you have to commit that money. And then you have to hope that everything holds out. And, you know, if the, if you spend two months marketing the thing and then a, a couple of weeks before it, it's due to release, uh, cases start skyrocketing. Right. Then all of a sudden, you know, you, you just wasted all of that uh, marketing budget. And I've heard that Mulan is going to follow Tenant. Like whatever Tenant decides to do, look for Mulan to open up a couple weekends after. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was cleaning the chimney. We have no chimney. I guess now is a good time for a quick ad break, or it would be if we had any advertisers. We do have a Patreon, though. You want to tell the listeners about that? Sure. So it's patreon.com slash W-U-T-R. Pronounced water. Exactly, but it's spelled W-U-T-R. Water. Anyway, people who like our show, they can go to Patreon and support the show. If you donate $3 a month, you'll get a call-out in our end credits. And for $10 a month, you'll get the credits, call-out, and access to our monthly Q&A live streams. Very cool, and with that support, we can hopefully make the podcast a lot better. The audience has been growing, so we really need to upgrade to some professional equipment. And hire a professional editor. Yeah, definitely. I guess that's it for the ad for now. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash water. W-U-T-R. And support the show if you enjoy listening each week. Now let's get back to whatever we were talking about. Say the magic words, fat Gandalf. Oh yeah. So the other big news was the the Star Wars news that um, about Taika Waititi. So yes, that's that's probably the best news to come out of. Yeah, Comic-Con. yeah, I think so too. That's pretty exciting. So we've already known that he's writing an, a Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. but what we didn't know is that that's going to be the next one to come out, which is going to be December twenty twenty three, which is a long break yeah. between. And is it going to be one of these? Um you know, a Star Wars story ones that's kind of a knockoff? Or is it going to somehow come into like a main saga, even though the main saga is sort of wrapped, possibly? Mm -hmm. But maybe there's some kind of... I I feel like Disney wouldn't want to give up the main saga. You know, that's the moneymaker. The the kind of one-offs are are fine, extras, but they they probably want to continue doing some kind of Mm -hmm. main saga line, even if it is sort of a, a, a kind of soft reboot. Right. So what I've heard is that um, like the Star Wars stories, those kind of things, those are over. Those are going to be um, uh, Disney Plus series. TV shows. On. Exactly. Yeah. And then um, so this is going to be a new trilogy. And uh, like going forward, uh, all, all the new movies that are going to be coming out are going to be uh, in the timeline between episodes six and seven. So seven, eight and nine happened. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, canon. Yeah, but but everything else is going to be taking place between those two movies, and like in that sweet spot. <laughs> so that, that way, you loves. can kind of have the option of forgetting <laughs> seven, eight, nine if you want. You can yeah. just say like, well, you know, it 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 happened in the far future. Yeah, We're not there yet. Exactly. If you want to believe it happened, whatever. And then by the time 
uh, you know, it comes around, they'll finally just probably reboot it and rewrite it. Exactly. So <laughs> having their cake and eating it too. Okay. So that, that's interesting. Now, is this the um, the one that, you know, D&D, I forget their actual names, they could, they, they're referred to as D&D from um, oh, Game oh. of Thrones. Um, the, that director duo is, duo, is that the one that they were up to get? So I forget what happened with that, if, if that deal went through or if it fell yeah, so apart. The, the story is that it fell apart. The story is so... I wish I remember their actual names because it's so weird saying D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these guys, the, so they're the, the showrunners for Game of Thrones. They're the ones that adapted it from uh, George R. R. Martin's books. Mm-hmm. They got the rights to it and they sold it to HBO as a series. Uh, and then, of course, they got an offer to create a Star Wars or to direct a Star Wars movie. And they wanted to do that. And so they basically dropped the ball on Game of Thrones. They just sort of gave up at season seven and eight. <laughs> They just said, you know, ah, screw it. But for whatever reason, they didn't want to hand it off to somebody who would, you know, do it right. They still stayed involved. They still ran that show, but it completely sucked. They had like, it was just the worst writing, the worst story ever, mm-hmm. and just absolute trash. And oh, no. to the point where like it, it almost killed the franchise. Like uh, there's going to be some some uh, some prequel shows and some other spinoffs probably. Uh-huh. And we'll see, you know, how, how well they do. But, like, honestly, nobody ever talks about Game of Thrones anymore. It was wow. the biggest thing for, like, five years. Yeah. And then now it's like it never happened. Like, people do not care about Game of Thrones. And it was because of these two guys, because they were going to go off and do a Star Wars movie. And then I had heard that um, that, that deal fell through and that a large part of it mm-hmm. was Disney didn't like how uh, the reaction to Game of Thrones, basically. Like, I guess they yeah. felt uh, concerned that, well, is this, is this how uh, people do? Is, these, is this how these guys do uh, a franchise? Because, you know, obviously <laughs> Disney doesn't want to give them their $4 billion franchise they bought uh-huh. and then have them do the same thing they did to Game of Thrones where, like, right. maybe they make a great first movie, but they're signed on for a trilogy. And then, like, that third movie, they just don't even care. And then it's the worst thing ever and, and kills their franchise. And given where the franchise is already, I can understand why Disney wouldn't want to take that risk. Yeah, that's true. They've already had a, a few too many missteps. And it's so weird how, like, one bad... Uh, one bad installment can just like ruin things in people's minds. Yeah, like, I, I, I'm, I'm in the camp that's like, okay, move on, like forget it, and just keep, keep going, and like yeah. eventually make. I think up it's for a bit it, easier but... with movies because, like, with movies, like how whatever you feel about the uh, the new trilogy of Star Wars, there's always you know you can always watch one of the movies and maybe one of them you'll enjoyed more than the others. But I think with a TV show, it's just kind of naturally more mm-hmm. of an ongoing story, and not meant to be a standalone thing Mm -hmm. and so with like game of thrones you know you come into it and you invest five years of your life into this and then the next season is kind of shaky and then you keep going and you're like well but i you know i want to see where the story goes and then ultimately the story goes like nowhere (laughs) and it's just like the most pointless uh thing you've ever seen Uh and then it's like well then what was all of this for it was more of a journey you know so like i think with with star wars there's some of that to it probably because you know certainly the last star wars movie Mm -hmm. was all over the place um but you know it doesn't doesn't necessarily destroy any of the the ones before it you can still watch the original trilogy and enjoy it for what it is you can watch some of the prequel movies i like revenge of the sith and i'll probably always like revenge of the sith uh and so i go and watch that it doesn't destroy it and even the um you know the new ones i could probably watch one of them I don't remember which one I enjoyed, but there were parts of them that were that were fine. 
So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it really has the same effect on movies probably quite as, as much as it does on, on TV shows. But, you know, it, it's a great choice, I think, Disney picking uh, Taika Waititi for this. And hopefully, you know, they, they really let him uh, run the show, give him a trilogy, let him see it through beginning to end. And I think he'll, they'll have something amazing. What'll be a problem is if they try to, you know, micromanage that and they give him the trilogy, he does one movie and then they say, well, for the second movie, we focus grouped and we think it'll make more <laughs> sense if, uh, you know, this new up and comer directs it and then put him in charge. And then, you know, then that's, you know, that's when you get into this kind of Star Wars situation of, you know, no clear vision for the three films. Oh, right. Um, you really need to just put it put it all in his hands, make sure that he's committed to to doing a trilogy, and then just step back and let him do his thing. Yeah, because he, I mean, he's done, he done, he's done like such a great job with, um, like Thor Ragnarok and kind of setting that the yeah. tone and the um uh, of that kind of like outer space kind of you know wacky. Um, yeah, it's, that's a really great, you know, it'll be a great fit. Like Thor Ragnarok is exactly the kind of um, feeling you need for, for Star Wars probably as well. Yeah. Is it a little bit like James Gunn except Taika Waititi is a little bit more, um, a little bit more family friendly? Like James Gunn always wants to be a little bit more edgy, even though he is kind of reined in. Um, he he has those desires. And, you know, Taika Waititi has never made a bad movie. <laughs> Like really, you can watch any of his movies. They, I, they're all amazing. I've only seen two of them. I've seen obviously Ragnarok, and um, I saw Jojo Rabbit. Oh yeah, oh, Jojo Rabbit is one of my favorites. I think my favorite though of his would probably be The Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh okay, that's the one that put him on the map. Yeah, that one. That one really I think took off, and oh, kind of like overseas as well, and um, mm-hmm. was 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 huge. Um, not I guess not huge. Like everyone knows about it, but it was more of a critical hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really was, uh, you know, what what made him shine. What's that one about? The hunt for the wilder people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. You just you just have to watch it. If if you're familiar <laughs> with Taika Waititi, like there's, there's, it's hard to summarize anything of like you know what's it about? Because like Jojo Rabbit, what's it about? You can say you know it's about this little Nazi boy um, who's uh, keeping who comes to find out that he has a, a a secret Jewish girl living in his house. But there's just, it's it's so much more than that. You know, like it's 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 somehow he manages to create movies that are so much more than the literal story being told Uh, Uh, but the literal story of the wilder people is um basically this um boy is adopted by um an elderly couple uh i guess because his parents had died or something and maybe they were lost relatives or you know some kind of distant relatives or something like that or maybe they were just adopted outright i forget how but he comes to live with this this elderly couple and then immediately the woman uh dies like basically the next day and she was the one that actually wanted the boy and so it's just him being stuck now with this old man this kind of um uh, Harrison Ford kind of old man of you know grumpy <laughs> type uh-huh. played by uh, Sam Neill of uh, Jurassic Park okay uh, so uh, yeah it's just it's just sort of kind of their relationship and then they go off into the wilderness and kind of uh, I don't an adventure ensues I guess but uh, it's it's hilarious and and, and, and just very heartwarming too um, really really great film oh yeah oh cool I'll check it out. Now's a great time to catch up on movies like those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's probably one, at least one Taika Waititi film I haven't seen. So I need to, I need to check the list and make sure I finish it. But um, I've, I've, I've seen most of his films and, and every one of them has been amazing. 
So yeah, I'm really looking forward forward to his Star Wars trilogy. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. And then they also announced a uh, Donald Glover uh, Lando series, like a Disney Plus series, coming oh, out yeah. of. Yeah, um, I heard that. I didn't. I didn't realize that came out of Comic Con, but I had seen the news, the headlines around that because he wasn't. He didn't do anything right at Comic Con. I don't think there was a panel. There was just the announcement on Thursday and the first day. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I was just thinking the other day that I, I was wondering if um, his character's middle name would be Lakes. I think it would be funny <laughs> if his name was Lando Lakes Calrissian. Calrissian. <laughs> I don't know why I thought good. that, but I, something about whenever that news came out, that was my, <laughs> for whatever reason, <laughs> that was my first thought was, you know, if they're going to do a origin story, they should give him a middle name and it should be Lakes. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> could be good product placement as well. Yeah, right. you know, yeah. They probably get they could probably get the the movie the entire movie funded for that. Yeah, you could be their new spokesperson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what about the comic stuff? Um, obviously, Comic Con, even though um, it's probably shifted more towards uh, movies and TVs, TV shows. Uh, comic Con is still about comics. Uh, did you catch any of the comic stuff? Uh, anything as a comic fan that uh, was intriguing to you? Um, I didn't. I didn't actually. I missed that. Part of it, um, but yeah, I, I like I like it when these things actually focus on comics. Every convention I've been to, that's been the area that I've been most interested in. Yeah, do you like the behind the scenes kind of stuff where they're just it's more like learning about how to create <laughs> comics? They they have a lot of panels like that usually. Um, you know, writing for comics, drawing <laughs> comics, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that stuff is cool, and then also being able to like meet the people who are you know coming up with this stuff and yeah, um, like. Being able to see them as like human beings, it's it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I did catch one um, that was from DC. I guess it was just mm-hmm. a kind of a DC Comics um, uh, panel, and you know I don't really know anything about comics, um, so I'm not sure. But it did sound really cool. They were talking about the Joker War, mm-hmm. which I guess is um, a story that's coming, a storyline that's coming down the pipe from DC. Mm-hmm. And the way they framed it sounded really amazing because they basically said like. This is the last time that Batman and the Joker are going to go head to head. Oh, that wow. you know something's going to happen. Uh-huh. This is it, the ultimate battle. Really? And the way they framed it, uh, but you know it's comics, so I imagine you know this happens all the time. Batman dies, he's reborn. <laughs> Superman's yeah. killed, he comes back, uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, or they kill off the Joker, and there's a new Joker. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so you know, you you got to take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Mm-hmm. But still, it sounded like a very very cool. Uh, premise at least mm-hmm. and i don't you know i'm not i haven't followed it but i from what i gather too if in, in the kind of recent history of the batman comics um robin's character has been like brain wiped and taken over by the joker or something okay do you know anything about that um no i haven't heard about that actually yeah because I, I had seen it in reference i was watching like a youtube video that was going through um some of the uh, Batman movies uh, stuff and I think it was a, maybe on Suicide Squad they had like um, the Bat Cave and they had like a scene of the Bat Cave or something and okay. the Bat suit was there and it was like shot up and it had like um, Joker had graffitied it or something mm-hmm. and some and the, the guy in the YouTube video was pointing out all these like references to some comic book storyline in which this happened where basically um, Dick Grayson I think is his name who plays mm-hmm. who is Robin uh, something about how he's, I don't know, he, he has his 
for some reason he forgets who he is or he's in a coma or something like that and then they tell him when he wakes up they tell him he's the joker basically like trick him into becoming the joker oh, something like yeah. that I, I probably have some of the details wrong but okay. but it sounded really cool anyway this idea and i don't know if that's um plays into this the joker war at all but um uh it kind of makes me wish that you know i i, I was into comic books because i'd like to know the story there but uh-huh. i just I, I know something about looking at pictures and reading just it just doesn't do it for me if they can make a movie of it, though, I'll watch it. Did you ever watch Batman Beyond? This was on like oh, no. twenty years ago, because there was a movie based on that. Like, this I mean, is, this this is, is the like um, a, the animation, right? Yeah. So there was a movie called uh, Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker, and mm-hmm. um, it was it was straight to <clears throat> VHS, and <laughs> um, but it kind of has a very similar storyline to what you're saying. Uh, so if you if that's yeah, I don't know. One of these days, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to give the um, cartoons a try, uh-huh. and maybe we can do an episode about that. Because I, I other than watching cartoons when I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. like watching whatever kind of series might have been on. Um, but I know, like today, it, you know, there are movies feature feature length animations coming out mm-hmm. for Batman and these other comics comic yeah. characters mm-hmm. uh, that are really popular uh, and yeah. with like mainstream adult audiences and. I just I don't watch a lot of animated stuff in general, mm-hmm. um, but I I could maybe give it a try sometime and then we could talk about it. Okay, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of the newer the newer ones. The last one I saw was uh, Batman Under the Red Hood, which is which was actually very good. I recommend that one. But I haven't seen anything from like the last five years probably. Um, but a lot of them are like direct um, page for page adaptations of. Uh, like popular storylines like um like the killing joke that came out i think last year or the year before mm-hmm. and so that's like yeah, a direct i heard adaptation. a lot about that one that was really mm-hmm. popular yeah it got uh it got a lot of attention for like you know some scandalous scenes within it <laughs> so it got a lot of media attention so overall then what what's your what's your take on comic-con at home how do you feel it went do you um, do you like the virtual aspect to it at all or you can't wait to get back to to the the real comic-con next yeah, year hopefully i mean definitely can't wait for for the real deal but i think they did their best i think that uh they were kind of let down by the fact that you know the major players like mm-hmm. dc marvel didn't show up yeah and i think that they didn't show up because they didn't let it, they didn't really have much to talk about or they didn't have like concrete you know release dates for anything yeah uh so they they didn't really have much to share so it didn't really make sense for them to be there yeah and you know i said i said too that you know like they could have done more in terms of like since it was produced before and Mm -hmm. pre-recorded they could have done some better production value things and prepared some for that yeah but you know i guess you can't really fault them because they're not making money right now anyway like it's it's easy to throw an in-person event when you know you're going to have ticket sales that are going to bring in millions of dollars. So then, sure, you know, you can spend mm-hmm. hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest and set that up. But now, like, they would have to hire a camera crew. They'd have to hire these editors. And they probably already did hire quite a bit and spend quite a bit of money just to produce what they did. Um, and really, they probably don't have hardly any money coming in for this because I'm not sure how they would merchandise it other than some of the, mm-hmm. um, you know, actual merchandise tie-ins that they had where there's, you know, some licensing of the Comic-Con mm-hmm. brand probably. Yeah, that's true. But, um, you know, there's no ticket sales here. And, and, and it was nice that, you know, nothing was behind a paywall. They could have easily, you know, charged people mm-hmm. to actually um, uh, view these panels. Uh, right. And I'm surprised they didn't. Like, I would have imagined they'd have, like, 
maybe a low price like they could say could say like twenty dollars for a pass mm-hmm. and then it would give you exclusive access and maybe even behind the scenes stuff and uh q a uh events and that kind of thing yeah but um you know it would have been a big a big investment on their end i think a big part of it was just comic-con trying to stay relevant you know, they didn't want to skip yeah. an entire year. So this is like the best that they could do. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll put some ads on the, I have an ad blocker, so I don't know if they had ads running on the YouTube videos or not. One thing that was funny, so since it was pre-recorded, you know, fortunately there were no real technical issues to deal with. And oh, of that's course, true. that's the, if you did a live event, it would be almost impossible to not have uh, tech, technical issues, especially given how many panels and shows they were running. Right. But uh, one thing that was funny was I started the Star Trek one the Star Trek panel, and it was immediately blocked um, for copyright infringement, probably oh, really? you know, from from Paramount, uh-huh. <laughs> which is ironic because the whole point of the panel is to promote their property. Yeah, and, why would you they? Know, it's just because it's just an automatic flag, probably because they uh-huh. had a clip from a Star Trek episode or something like that. Uh, fortunately, it got resolved, and apparently, you can watch the episode now. But it was funny because you know, right there when it was due to go live, I, mm-hmm. I tuned in and tried to watch it, and and I couldn't. Yeah. But I mean, for some of these, it feels weird that they're charging you to view their promotional material, you know? Yeah. It's like, here, let me charge you to watch this ad. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so New York Comic Con, is that, mm-hmm. have you heard anything about that? Are they going to do anything? I have not heard anything, no, but I hear that's like, usually in October, right? Yeah, usually early October. All right. Well, it'd be interesting, I guess, to, to wait and see, see if New York uh, chooses mm-hmm. to do anything. Maybe if the numbers hold strong in New York, they could actually do some kind of in-person thing Mm -hmm. Um, but i think they also have the benefit of learning from san diego comic-con's virtual one and uh, if they choose if they choose to do something Mm -hmm. uh you know they can maybe try try doing it a bit differently um probably given that it's more of a for-profit organization which i think we talked about a bit on the previous episode Mm -hmm. um you know i I don't see them doing something for free like uh san diego did oh yeah that's true and then there's also dc fandom coming up in a couple weeks um, which oh yeah, and that one should be a good event. one. Yeah, that's gonna because they've they've uh, invested some money into that, like with the like user interface and just like the concept of it all. So um, yeah, they, they'll probably have a lot of big surprises um, for that. Yeah, so um, we'll definitely tune into that and um, live tweet it. So if anyone who wants to join us can uh, join us on Twitter at twittercom podcast and um, tune in along with. Uh, us watching this DC fandom. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. And if something does happen for New York Comic Con, I guess we'll, uh, you know, talk about that too. For sure. But we'll see. And then hopefully one of these days Mulan will come out and we can finally <laughs> do our Mulan episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. One of these days. Well, look at that. You made it to the end of this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at WUTR Podcast. If you like the show and want to support it, check out our Patreon at patreon.com WUTR. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Same bat channel.